0: Sorry, what did I miss? Everything. Anglophies.
1: Ghetto's gone. Alina, are you fake texting?
2: It's super important.
1: Oh, I might as well just growl. That'd be about it.
2: I have failed the sisterhood. I hear an awful lot of judgment
0: in your voice. We're not yes. your judge. And welcome to episode 15 of Anglophies, where we're going to talk about romance novels. I'm so excited. I'm Raiden.
2: I'm Alina.
1: And I'm Kaylee. And And we're joined by a special
0: guest. And we're super stoked about it. We're often super stoked. That's kind kind of our charm. But we're really actually super stoked about having Sarah Wendell from SmartBitchesTrashyBooks.com joining us. Yay!
3: Thank
2: you for having me. Thank you uh, for I'm being to... here. Oh, oh God. We are collecting best-selling authors like they're trading cards.
3: I- I'm not a best-selling author. Sorry.
2: <laughs> You're a best-selling blogger and an author.
3: That's okay, that thought. works. <laughs> that works. Okay, I'm, f- I'm down with that.
2: Are you sure we're not here to talk about The Hobbit? Because I have all the feels after last night.
3: <laughs> Did you see I've the smoke?
2: We did. I did see the smoke. We
3: saw the smog, or we saw the first Hobbit. Do you guys have dine-in theaters? This is ridiculous. They bring you the food at your movie seat, and they bring you drinks too if it has a bar and a liquor license. So you just sit there, and they keep bringing you food. It's amazing.
1: Oh, I want this.
3: There's a handful of them in, in the U.S., and we have one near our house, and it is the greatest date. Like, it's worth the babysitter. It's worth all of the money. It is so fantastic. You sit in this big-ass Lazy Boy. So that's how I saw The Hobbit in a Lazy Boy with drinks, and
2: it's so good that way. Nice. That does sound amazing. No. How
3: was the smog? Was it good? Did you enjoy the smog? Oh, so good. It no, it good.
0: actually really was. Yeah. Um, as I was telling Alina earlier... <laughs> Um, I really enjoyed it But I can't I can't tell you if it was a good movie Or not because I can't be objective about These movies anymore I just love being in the world so much that. eh.
2: And the world was Particularly fantastic in this one We both really loved the way They did Lake Town Mm -hmm. Um, Raiden says like It feels lived in
0: In a way that Gondor never did Which is legit I think
2: Yeah so Lake Town was, Keely gave me all of the fangirl feels. Why is Aiden Turner so cute? So romance is in the air is kind of appropriate. Segway. <laughs> I'm the queen of segways on the podcast. <laughs> um, and while we still have, you know, Kaylee because avocado has once again not been sacrificed. Kaylee. <laughs> um,
1: it's Scotland. We don't have avocados.
2: Well, think... a fruit. Is avocado fruit? Yeah. Okay, I guess it is. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, I guess I'll handle the avocado against next month. But, meanwhile, Kaylee had homework! I
1: did, I did, I had homework. I didn't I... do as much of the homework as I should have, so I didn't really do the extracurricular,
2: but I did the homework. So she's not an honor student, but we still like her. <laughs> <laughs> she
0: she passes
2: um, so
1: we,
0: that's
2: all I never wanted
0: <laughs> so Alina and I sent Kaylee um, a number of romance novels to read and I sent her a whole bunch and I have no idea which one she read um, so and Alina sent her not shitty YA
1: There was a gasp of shock horror in my head there. Just, oh my god, it wasn't bad. (laughs) I am tempted to write a lot of reviews these days saying, you know how I hate everything? I didn't hate this. (laughs) Well, apparently I hate everything. One needs to
3: put that on the cover of a book. You know how I hate everything? (laughs) I didn't hate this.
0: Well, that was a book and I finished it. Wasn't that one of Jane's reviews?
3: (laughs) I think I saw that on on Goodreads. Well, that was a book. (laughs) <laughs> sad thing is I totally felt that way like yes that was words on in an order correct okay
2: well we, we actually sent Kaylee some books we were hoping would, would merit at least some affectionate feelings because after the kind of stuff she voluntarily reviews for her own blogs <laughs> we felt we, we should uh, force some more quality product on her <laughs> what is wrong with that with that world where you voluntarily read bad books and we have to force you to read good ones.
1: Um, I think I just have a strain of literary masochism, to be honest.
2: <laughs>
1: just the moment somebody tells me something is horrific, there is a voice in my head that says challenge accepted. <laughs> I and I, a- I, I, don't, I, can't, I don't tend to like, not finish a book, even if I hate a book, I can't sort of put it to the side and leave it, I have to finish it, which is a terrible, terrible illness. So okay, tell us how the homework went I enjoyed it I do actually occasionally read romance novels I don't read them as frequently as I read other things like Terrible YA or plays where very violent, horrible things happen to people but um, I, I tend to go more contemporary so I've read Julie James's work, who I really like I've read some of Victoria Dahl who I also really like but I, didn't, I don't tend to go into the, um, the more period piece stuff which is what I was sent a lot of um, and there are certain stuff that I'm just far too afraid to approach, mainly the Highlander themed stuff, just because I'm too <laughs> nationally embarrassed. But um, I had a good time, so yes, well done, teachers. <laughs>
2: Any particular favourites from among um,
1: I totally get all the hype about Courtney Milan.
2: Having, yeah. having followed
1: her on Twitter and followed her on Tumblr and things, I've always thought she was pretty sound anyway. So actually, to read her work and have that opinion backed up was was
2: really good. What did you think of the uh, Pushing the Limits?
1: I also surprisingly liked it. I mean, it's more in the sort of new adult mold than some of the other stuff I read. And my my sort of opinion of new adult generally has been, dear God, get this thing away from me. Um, (laughs) And this wasn't that, so. (laughs) No, but I actually think it also helps that Katie McGarry, who wrote it, can actually write. And she wasn't obsessed with just having some bad boy come in and constantly say, I should stay with you because I'm this close to murdering you, but I'm not going to I'm just going to have sex with you anyway which is my general sort of opinion of new adult. It's not a positive one <laughs>
0: That's
2: great I, um, I feel like we should uh, fill in the, the our listeners on Raiden's and mine kind of romance credentials, <laughs> which Sarah can attest to has... we, we,
3: we, we needed to have credentials? <laughs>
2: Yes. yeah so well, you're covered I'll, I'll,
3: I'll, I'll dig something up okay i'm in my yeah, office
2: right.
3: I'll, I'll find a big picture of de salvo hang on there, there's got to be wax man titty in my room somewhere okay, okay. <laughs> all
0: right i think we have an episode title now
3: waxed man <laughs> <Yes>.
0: <laughs> Wax man titty yes
3: oh i have my credentials i have the jude Devereaux barbies right here sold all right cool those are my credentials i will hold them <laughs> um
2: Yeah, it was uh Raiden reviews uh, occasionally for Sarah's website, Smart Bitches, Trashy Books. Uh I don't review, I That's comment fantastic. frequently. <laughs> I've won a couple of contests on the site. Um I, I'm particularly proud of the one time I won the it wasn't captioned the cover. It was the the best we were making fun of descriptions of nipples in romance novels oh yes, fruity nipples then the one i uh, I won with a wine liner he, um her nipples beckoned him like elevator buttons and he pressed one to go down
0: that's right <laughs> oh my God I will
2: never be so proud of anything like I'm proud of the amount <laughs> how much people laughed at that one. <laughs>
3: Yeah. it was pretty majesty right there it was amazing
2: um and speaking of raiden reviewing um seanan's next mirror grant book parasite was reviewed by raiden and also i think carrie yep um, they
3: both read it they were both so into it
2: yeah on sarah's uh-huh. website so reviews of parasite are now um i know up there yep yep uh
0: so alina when when did you start in on reading romance
2: you know, I think in some ways that kind of depends on what's defined because, okay, the books we think of as romance, romance is written now, that was fairly recent, probably within the last three years or so. But now that I think back to it, a lot of the books I read when I was younger and a teenager either had the strong romantic component or really were kind of romance novels in disguise. I'm thinking in particular of things like um, Christopher Stasheff's Warlock series, which is kind of a sci-fi veering into fantasy. I don't know if any of our listeners will be... If any of our listeners are familiar with that one, I would love to find fellow fans. But it started as a kind of sci-fi slash fantasy adventure that has some romantic subplots, and then the last few books just completely went into just romance novels with a, with a fantasy backdrop. <laughs> Um, and then as a teenager I got into Laurel K. Hamilton whom we've mentioned when we were t- talking to Sean and, and really it's in the last few years uh, after years of reading fan fiction, I just said, you know what, I like this stuff I'm going to ignore all the things, stigmas and stereotypes I heard about it and actually start reading it and I couldn't be happier with my choice
0: I, like so many other people started reading you know, Actual adult romance With all the sexy times When I was a young teenager Because um, a friend of mine Started reading it for some reason And she passed it on to me And I just sort of Kept on with it And it kept me sane Through law school <laughs> Which Thank god for that um, And And I started writing for smart bitches when I sent a thing saying, I'm looking for this book that I saw once upon a time, a billion years ago when I was 13. And here's the vague description I remember. And somebody actually knew what fucking book I was talking
2: about. Oh, you sent in a help a bitch out. (laughs) I did.
0: I did.
3: Yes. The cumulative, the cumulative readership of smart bitches pretty much knows everything. And it is really scary. Powerful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's like, what what I remembered was, uh, the cover might have been pink, and she snuck into his room because, it was historical, she snuck into his room because she was looking for something, or giving him a message, or wanted a cookie, I don't know, and he thought he was a whore, she thought she was a whore, and that... Then she left in the morning, leaving only the disturbing evidence of her innocence behind.
2: I remember something about that. I think I remember reading that habo. I don't know. That brings memories. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Like that very specific line stuck in my head for, let's see, it was like 31 when I sent that in and I seen the book when I was certain It's stuck into my head for a good 18 years. That very specific line.
3: Yeah, oops, I deflowered a virgin is a sp- <laughs> appallingly, co- like, very common. Like, like it, the blood on the bedsheet might as well mm-hmm. spell out, you are so fucked. <laughs>
2: <laughs> or you've been so fucked just things yes.
3: <laughs> yes, and now you will never be able to get it up for anyone else but the woman who left this stain, so you better start looking, pal. Yep.
0: Get moving. Go on.
3: Because I'm yep. telling you, no me. more stiffy for you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And someone knew exactly Which book it was It was Surrender to the Night And we'll we'll link to the review And I read the book and was like Sarah, I have things to say about this book Because it's off the wall fucking crazy (laughs) Can I review it?
3: Those are the best kinds of books. Really. I love them. Like when it falls off, like if you think of good and bad as a linear spectrum, you're actually incorrect. It's actually a quadrant because you can fall off bad and circle back around to crazy sauce, and that is way on the good side because it's
2: wonderful. Makes the best reviews.
0: It does. It does. And they're they're the most fun to read. And it's a sort of
2: you know, when it comes to romance readers, I don't think anybody had a funnier reason than my mother. Who, when we lived in Russia, I, that wasn't the t- we both, we've seen often in the house. But then we moved to Canada when I was in my early teens, and I spoke English fairly fluently already, but my parents needed to catch up. And my mother started reading these pulpy novels particular romance novels despite the dozens and what she said is the language is so simple in them and they're so easy to get through right because the plot isn't too intricate and she found them just the easiest way to to practice her english is to read pulpy romance novels
3: <laughs> and i, I, I f- wish that there were i mean because there's so many people who study romance academically and sociologically, I wish that there were an ESL study of the number of people around the world who have learned English from romances. I know of, you know, just through anecdotal or anecdata as it's called, I know of at least five. Your your mom is the sixth. And I receive email from people who apologize for their English. Like I have any room to critique their English because they're Bulgarian and they learned English reading romance novels. Like there's an enormous number of people that do this. It's amazing. Like, how many ways can you describe an erection now? You're so (laughs) fluent. It's awesome. And English is the hardest language to learn. Because we have the most words. (laughs) Because
2: you pilfered them from different languages. You're damn right. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, See, why I like romance, we want to talk about, kind of, make our case as to why romance. And... I think well, well one thing I think the first thing I always want to dispel is kind of the myth of romance does not equal quality because it equals quality <laughs> like I, ever,
0: I mean like any genre like any genre some of them are good some of them are bad some of them are filled with bad writing but are super popular anyway thank fuck, fuck damn Dan Brown <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah but like and I also don't like this idea that it's and I th- which I think still persists, that it's easy to write, you know, that you could, j- that any hack could just bang a book out. And I think it discounts, um, you know, the authors, for example, the ones who write historical and their home libraries filled with research. Awesome. And it's work. And if you want to do it well, it's hard
0: work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you get things like a Viking era story in which they're cutting up potatoes for their stew, which... No. Is wrong on many levels. It's wrong. It's why the phrase potato rage exists. Did you oh. come up with the phrase potato rage? I did.
3: Because I have seen it so many places. Like you have left a lasting impression on online <laughs> linguistic use. <Like> I've seen <laughs> know, potato, potato rage referred
0: to potato, many
3: places. Yeah.
0: Potato rage and plot moppets. Yeah. <laughs> oh
3: yes. Plot moppet is a brilliant f- turn of phrase.
0: Yeah.
1: And can I just
2: say, I am so happy that you review for us, because it is so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you bust out the Jeremy Renner gifs.
1: Well,
0: yeah. yeah. <sighs> that's that's not a thing that I want to overuse. but uh, Can you yeah.
1: overuse that? I really don't think you
2: can. <laughs> well... Hey, you had an entire re- review made up entirely of Jeremy Renner gifs. So I'm going to say no, you cannot.
1: <laughs> That's that by
2: far to be cooler than any of
1: the gifs I've ever used in my reviews. So <laughs> I don't well, understand why people complain about
3: gifs in reviews. I mean, it's Jeremy get it Renner. At
0: <laughs> exactly. It's Jeremy Renner. And that was, a, that was a book that I didn't actually finish because I realized... That after I was like 37% of the way through, I went into my room and piled up my down comforter and threw my iPad that I was reading the book on onto the down comforter because I could not throw it at the wall. (laughs) And that was the point that I said, you know what? I can't finish this book because I can't afford to buy a new iPad. (laughs) So I ended the review with a gif of Jeremy Renner writhing on the floor crotch first <laughs> you're welcome Internet. as one does you're welcome
3: <laughs> I would like to posit that if you dislike GIFs and reviews that you just have not seen the correct ones
0: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> and if they don't involve Jeremy Renner's crotch you're definitely looking at the wrong ones definitely oh, that's Richard. another title for you by the way
2: Jeremy Renner's crotch <laughs> <laughs>
1: name every podcast episode Jeremy Renner's crotch, whether or not it is relevant.
2: You could smush the two and you could have Jeremy Renner's and crotch.
3: <laughs> no, I don't think Jer- Jeremy Renner no, waxes his crotch. No. I'm sure he has a, a, a very healthy thatch, a very good for no. oh,
0: well. Okay, so back to the topic.
3: Wait, that isn't the topic? Oh, sorry. <sighs> Oh Sarah, this is why we wanted you here. Because <laughs> it gener forestry of yes. gener- Jeremy
2: Renner. This is why Sarah has the job she has. Yes. She's not afraid to say things that need to be said. <laughs> yes.
0: Well, she does live in New Jersey. Yeah. Sure, we don't fuck around over here.
2: Um I think the topic at this point was why we read romance novels. <laughs>
0: And not just so we can think about forestry of,
2: yeah,
0: rows of romance, but we do that too. Um, I know that there are complaints and snooty, supercilious people going, "Well, it's just not feminist," which is bullshit. Um, I I would posit that romance as a genre is fairly feminist very feminist um it's been a way for women to explore and discuss sexuality in socially appropriate ways of which (laughs) until recently there weren't many
2: Uh, there is something quite ironic about a genre which is largely written by women largely consumed by women and largely about women is branded as being not-feminist. You know, I generally... Well, apparently
0: Beyonce is anti-feminist, too.
3: So. Oh, yeah, okay, right, whatever. I, I in general, on the internet... Sorry, Sarah, go on. That's okay. I, <laughs> I think I a Alina, so it was cool. Um, in general, I... When there's any kind of discussion, I'm usually, personality-wise, much more interested in locating myself in the middle and understanding both sides, because... I have very low blood pressure and I am a very mellow person. I like to be chill. I don't like to get angry and I don't like to get upset because I like to be very mellow. So I like to listen to all of the different sides. When you bring up the is romance feminist, I am so far down on the goddamn it, don't be stupid side that I start to lose my temper because like you said, I do not see how a genre that is written by women and it is produced by women because everybody who works in publishing is a goddamn woman except on the men because they're executives. Executives, ...and they suck. So it's produced by women. Not all the executives suck because I'm sure that many publishing executives listen to this podcast. And if you're one of them, you are fabulous. You have great taste and you have very good breath. So <laughs> all the other guys, though, they blow. So it's written by women. It's produced by women. It's consumed by women. And it is a genre fully resting on the entrepreneurial agency of many, many women writing about sex and emotions, which are two subjects that women get denigrated for most of the time. So even if the story is 99.9% adhering to standard patriarchal themes, it is still feminist because she gets an orgasm, she wins, her fulfillment is important, and the very existence of the book in the first place is the establishment of female-dominant behavior and rant. <laughs> Sorry. Holla. Sorry. Holla. <laughs> that that oh, when people like, well, I don't think it's funny. What the gun. hell are you apologizing
0: for? <laughs> oh,
3: it. I, like I said, I am generally very mellow, and I like to listen, and I like to understand what people think. But this one, I'm just like no, 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 and no. Cue the
1: octopus because no. <laughs> um.
2: <laughs> really, what else is there to be said? <laughs>
1: How so is I, the love is it's I love the insinuation that so many people have against romance, which is that uh, by definition of them declaring it anti-feminist, that makes other genres of literature more feminist. Because, yeah, as a woman, I feel very included in, you know, male-dominated science fiction where women are primarily raped, or literary fiction that wins all the awards is primarily written by straight white male douches named Jonathan Franzen, <laughs> where all the women oper- where all the women exist in, like, this John Updike-style universe where they're all really beautiful and have massive tits and serve only to satisfy the sort of balding... Um, Formerly successful white and straight male who's done nothing of his life but be failure, and this is how the American dream is embodied. and When lots of Pulitzers, and we should all be, you know, be happy that this because this is how you know people are represented. It represents everyone, and then when someone's written by a woman or a person of color, then it only represents that specific section. I find that bullshit. I agree with you, and I and I, I think
3: that there's a lot of room for romance to do a lot of things a lot better. Mm-hmm. Like I think there are a lot of ways in which the romance genre on the whole, the entire spectrum, all subgenres and all publishers, I think they could do a lot of things better, including the representation of other cultures and successful marketing of those cultures that doesn't rest on targeting only the people in that culture to read that book about that culture. Do you see what I'm saying?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. Like you can't say this book is about Asian people. So we have to come up with an Asian marketing plan. No, 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 you don't, don't, yep. no, no. And also no, I, there's a lot of ways in which more women could be included because the most powerful thing of those genre that I enjoy being a straight white woman is that I see myself And it is not fair that more people don't see themselves and it's not okay that there's not enough opportunities for other women from other experiences to see themselves in this genre because that's what's good about it. So there needs to be more representation of other women and other women's experiences in the genre and I don't think that there is. How to make that happen, I don't have the answer. So I can't rant successfully because I don't have a call to action to end with. <laughs> and I here's what you have to, to do. I have no fucking clue. I'm really thinking about this. I have no idea.
1: <laughs> I would love to see romance lead the way on that because romance you know. was really the genre that led the way with self-publishing. Yep. I mean, they were doing that years before it became the sort of the standard norm of the way to make money. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's and fair. everyone seems to forget that when they're talking about the rise of self-publishing. I think they're I think they're deliberately forgetting it like.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I want to float something I'm thinking of. And I want you to tell me if I'm completely wrong and 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 I am parroting something that is inherently racist and exclusionary or if I'm actually onto something that may be true. So there was a movie that came out of Australia called The Sapphires. Mm -hmm. And it's about a group of aboriginal women who became uh, superstars during um, the 60s. Because they traveled to Vietnam and did shows, and it's about partially their experience, and also, for some reason, so many people said, really, it's like a feel-good comedy about racism. Which sounds horrible, but it actually was, and it's brilliant. One of the controversies is when the movie was released in the United States, the marketing changed so that the white guy was primary and all of the women were behind him. But on top of that, they were shaded with blue, so you couldn't actually tell that they had dark skin. Like they weren't even white or black. They were blue. They were like fucking avatars. So the marketing put the male primary and center. And I read this editorial from a guy in in the Sydney Morning Herald who said, the thing you have to understand about marketing in the United States is that the minute you put someone of color, you're sending a message, white person, this is not for you. And I've been thinking about that statement and realizing that in a lot of ways, and I'm 38, so I have a lot of, you know, marketing towards me having happened. I realize I've internalized that message, white person, this isn't for you, not as I am better than that thing, but that thing is not accessible or allowed for me. Mm -hmm. And And that it is inappropriate or intrusive. Do you know what I'm saying? And I'm wondering how to go about changing that. Does that make sense to you? You can totally take this out if I sound like a racist asshole. Well, no. no I'm I... not trying to sound like a racist. Yes, they're blue. I can't tell that they're of
2: color. Here's something I'm going to look up right now because this argument about marketing would have a leg to stand on except uh, very, you know, not that long ago we had the movie about uh, uh, the dream Best girls. Man. No, dream, dream Girl. girls. Weren't they on the posters of the movies? Yeah.
0: Well, was the dream I'm going to go in a, in a different town oh. to see 12 Years a Slave about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've, been, I've seen so many movies. That is totally
3: crazy. a feel-good comedy about race Oh, yeah.
0: It's totally a feel-good comedy. The interesting <laughs> thing was is that all of the previews were for quote-unquote black movies like Best Man Holiday and Black Nativity and, um, what was the other two? and I you can't tell
3: it. You, you can't the, looking at the Dreamgirls poster. You can't tell that they are of color unless you know what the movie's about. And then you know who those people are.
1: Yeah. That's... You can't market a movie with Beyonce without people thinking it's race themed. There is a serious issue going on there.
3: I remember yeah. when Whitney Houston died. There was a lot of talk about her, you know, her career and her drug use. But the, the, the thing that I remember her most for was um, that movie where she was the heroine. And the hero was Kevin Cosner.
0: And (laughs) the bodyguard
3: bodyguard blew my little mind because she actually gave a press quote. And she goes, you can't hide that I'm black. I'm Whitney Houston. You know that I'm black. And if I'm in the movie, then the heroine is black because I'm playing her. Like this is not rocket science.
2: And yet I'm about to like we're going to post all these posters in the show notes because her skin tone is very masked in this uh, poster, too. Yes, they,
3: the the coverage of that movie was very, um, bland, blanded.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, you can't even see her head. You can't see anything. And... You see her butt. That's it. Yeah. But do you know what I'm saying about how I may have internalized the wrong end of that message? That because something is marketed for people of color, that it is not something that I should be looking at? And I internalize that and I look at it and I'm like, that's wrong. That's completely incorrect. I... There's right. no reason that I shouldn't. I'm I'm doing a shit ass job of explaining myself. So I'm sure your your audience no, no. now thinks that I am a raging racist asshole.
2: No, I th- I think it's a, like there's uh, there's also that question always comes up whenever I feel we have a conversation about marketing is whether or not the culture drives the marketing or the marketing drives the culture. That's a good question. I you know? I
0: think they feed into both they like that snake that eats its tail.
3: Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like sort of like the man titty on the cover? The man titty is on the cover because it sells, and it sells because the man titty is on the cover because the man titty sells. Yeah. Round right. and around and around.
0: It's all very tautological.
2: Um, nice. That was like a four-dollar $4 so- word. <laughs>
0: Everybody drink.
2: That's <laughs> why you paid for your education, Raiden.
0: That's right. But it's for girls. <laughs> and I. That also kind of leads into the question of like um, Beverly Jenkins' historical romances. Oh, That's they're her so
3: name. good, by the way. There's have you guys some- read some of her? Oh, she's yeah. good.
0: She's good, and I mean she comes from such a, a real place that I think her black historical romance novels that uh, a white woman could not have written these because there's a lot of there's just so much truth to her writing uh-huh. that of things that I, as a white woman, never would have thought of. And even if I'd done the research, I don't think these things necessarily would have occurred to me. Um, and when I worked at Borders, we had our, our small section of African-American literature, and that's where we shelved her books. And there's always the question of, well, do you want to have your book shelved in African-American literature where people who are looking for books about people who look like me are going to go because they know that that's where they're going to find it? Or do you want it shelved in straight romance where...
3: You increase the the possibility of discovery. You
0: increase the possibility of discovery, but it's entirely possible that kind of that core audience of people who are looking for heroes and heroines who look like me are not going to go because it's searching for a needle in a haystack.
2: And this is why we have Goodreads shelves.
0: (laughs) I remember we had a, a book club chat with Beverly two years ago.
2: Yeah,
3: about two years
0: ago. Question. And she said, Look, I just want people to read my books. And I think in an ideal world, we'd have them shelved in both places, but that's not the way bookstores work.
3: But the thing that's changing that is the fact that if you go online looking for one book, you're not in a specific shelf. You're not limited by the physical geography of the store. You're limited by the algorithm that's going to serve you recommended title. So if you're looking at Beverly Jenkins, chances are you are going to be shown other historical romances most likely set in the United States, possibly about African-American characters, about that particular issue or that time period. Although also her, um, her Destiny series is so good oh my God, y'all should read it. It's fantastic.
2: Not that these online algorithms don't come with controversies of their own sometimes. Not at all, no. But it, it, <laughs> on one
3: hand, there's a chance to sort of change the way people think of how they're looking for books because they're not limited to a physical shelf with a label. They're limited to looking for a particular book and seeing what else comes up.
1: hmm
3: Or limited to asking their friends, what should I read next, which tends to undo the geographical teaching and expectations of how people shopped before.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. What, do,
3: what, what do you think would happen if we took a bunch of really good romances and hid the cover art and hid the back copy and, like, did the online version of blind book dating? Have you seen those pictures at libraries where they wrap a book in brown paper and say, this is a mystery? This one is a thriller. This one is a, a <laughs> mystery with pie. You know, if we did blind book dating.
2: Marketing people pooping, would cry.
3: <laughs> it's, but as an experiment, would it actually work yeah. to get people to think? To discover something new by shopping outside of how they normally shop. Maybe I think so.
0: I mean, I think we should. Okay, listeners, have have blind book dating parties.
3: Yeah, totally. Or I could probably. No, I I need a pen. I need a pen. pen.
2: The thing is, sadly, I think covers actually inform very strongly uh, how we how we start to imagine. At least for me, they do. How we start to imagine the heroes and heroines in the book. Um, That's very true. And I'm,
0: Sometimes that's really dangerous Sometimes they don't even get the hair colors right
2: I was what just going What about all those books that race bent their protagonists on the cover uh-huh. That happens
1: so often In YA now that I've stopped being surprised
3: <laughs> I interviewed Justine Labelestia When I was in Australia And one of her books had that happen And she was extremely outspoken about it
1: Yeah that it was, was really the big controversy And it was so blatant as well Hang on, I'll, I'll sh- show the um, other two. This one
3: that to the in. to the point where the author was like, "No, no, really, what the hell? Like, what are you doing?"
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I like. I think it would be fascinating because then you were really starting with a blank slate. Because everybody, because when you have a cover, you're actually not really. Covers inform our expectations of the book. That's why we always have these, I don't know if they're on BuzzFeed or other websites, these fascinating picture sets of what if books from genre X were covered as if they were from genre Y. Mm -hmm.
3: Yes. That's always fascinating because the the way that romances are marketed, it's part of why people make such snap judgment
2: about them. And it's why the rise of the e-reader has really done so much... For the genre, yep. Because people feel, you know, everybody we love to read in public places somehow, as mm-hmm. especially transit, which well, is like the best place. It's to it's the read. only. It's the only thing to do. Yeah, it's the only thing to do. <laughs> but we also judge so much. People are really afraid of being judged for what they read, and that's why the rise. You, you know, that's why romance is when spending on books went down romance always flourished and when ebooks came out romance flourished more than ever Mm -hmm.
3: i also think that one of the things that happens with romance readers is that i still receive email from people who say where have you been i had no idea that there were so many romance readers online and there's so many communities and this is so great i think one of the things that happens when you begin to talk to other readers so frequently and that you begin to talk to other readers online and you, and you can share what you like about your books, what I call your give a shit gets broken. You just stop giving a shit what people think of what you're reading and you reach a point where you're like, you know, don't really care what you think. And I think that's sort of a general maturity thing that happens, but it's harder for romance readers in a lot of ways, I think, because the immediate judgments against a romance readers are really hurtful and and, and personal and Almost always based on intellect.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was reading uh, "Secrets of a Royal Body." Sorry.
3: Secrets of a Royal Bodyguard. I was reading. I want to of read, a read this. Royal
0: Bodyguard.
2: Yeah. Is his secret that uh, he's sleeping with a princess? It was
0: in one of my. No. No, she wasn't a princess.
2: Oh, there's
3: um, fanfic. Fanfic alert!
0: <laughs> no, it was in one of the many piles of ARCs that I've been getting from Kensington which my roommate is just kind of baffled by. It's kind of amazing. Um, and the cover isn't you know, it isn't as uh, explicit as some of the, 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 say, the 80s, early 90s Bodice Ripper covers are I was reading it on public transit and there was this guy across the aisle like literally leering at me for reading this book and it was gross it was it was disgusting and generally my fuck off field is pretty strong and nobody bothers me so ugh, ugh. I ended up actually covering that cover up. Not any of the other ones, but that one specifically. Hmm. That is the thing that happened. That's pretty much the end of my story.
1: <laughs> How much do you think the sort of, like, um, stereotypes against romance readers comes from the fact that romances tend to almost universally have happy endings? Because I know a lot of people who sort of sneer at it and say, oh, I've to read something that's more literary. Is All of that stuff tends to be really effing miserable, and all the sex that the people are having in that is incredibly unsatisfying, and they're all in terrible jobs, and they all hate their lives, and this is supposed to show the human condition or something. And therefore, it's considered
2: more worthy. I think a lot. And it's this one, it kind of crosses media because it's kind of the same with movies, right? That's why we have a separate category in awards for musicals and comedies, because that's not real art.
1: Have you seen what's nominated for musical and comedy this year? They have a really sad definition of comedy because all of those films look like they would make me cry.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it has a lot. Like I have no patience with that point of view either. Like it makes me roll my eyes. Um, I think because as readers of romance know, like really good books. You can't just have sex, 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 you know, happy ending marriage because there's no emotional payout. So you still have to have a story. Yeah, that's called erotica. You still want emotional payout. So, like, there's still a character-driven story there. And to call it, you know, not literally. Well, I mean, you know what? It's literature. It's all words on a page. So let's not pretend. Um, so I have no patience for that kind of snobbery. But I think it's very strong. I do think it, it really exists a lot. The the kind of disdain people have of happy endings. But that's why I read romance. Like For me, primarily, the world is shitty enough as it is. Mm-hmm. I can turn on the news if I want to be depressed. <laughs>
0: right. And, I mean, the core... The core of a romance is it's about a relationship, and relationships aren't art or something like that. I don't know. It's certainly, if it's if it's a relationship of a deep and true romance, then that can be art, right? Uh-huh. But a relationship between a man and a woman, I, I, I can't even.
2: How about you, Sarah? Have you come up with this kind of happy ending discrimination? In Unfortunately,
3: I had to um, I had to answer the phone, so I had to mute you and like tell my mother-in-law I couldn't talk. Could you repeat the question? I'm really sorry.
2: <laughs> That's all right. I had to put myself on mute because my husband chose this moment to start hammering away at a door handle. So
3: <laughs> what did you mean by happy ending discrimination? And I apologize.
2: Kaylee brought up this point that people do not consider, you know, romance is not true literature because it's a happy story with a happy ending. And oh, in true literature, crazy. you have to suffer, and everything's um, horrible.
3: No, no, no. Also, no. I think that the the, the root of that problem <laughs> root is that it all rests on whether or not someone else thinks what you're reading is edifying. That's still wrapped up in someone else judging you for what you read. Mm-hmm. And happiness is an, I think, an undervalued concept. It's trendy often to be miserable. It's it's very stylish to be mopey in a lot of times. Sometimes the, the 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 you very rarely see a fashion trend that's all about joy. And if it is, it's limited. And if it is happiness, then it's in a very prescribed way. The the benefit of happiness, however, is it's it's actually what everyone wants. You're not supposed to talk about it. You're not supposed to celebrate it you're not supposed to be open about it because that's squidgy and it makes people feel uncomfortable because you know we're very emotionally mature humans Mm -hmm. except not the idea that a happy ending isn't okay or edifying or educational or acceptable is total bullshit and like I said I think that many readers reach a point where they're just like I don't really give a shit what you think about my reading because I think that anyone who judges someone else's reading reveals more about themselves than they do about the person that they're judging.
2: Mm -hmm. You know that, um, the first sentence of Anna Karenina from Tolstoy Um, that everybody quotes, sorry, I was just, um, that quote from Tolstoy, happy families are all happy in the same way, but uh, everybody's unhappy in their own way. Um, Mm -hmm. that often quote, the thing is, we all know how much I I hate Anna Karenina as a book. I think Tolstoy's a hack. Um, and I think that quote is bullshit. (laughs) No, people aren't happy in the same way. We all have individual needs and, indiv- you know, individual descriptions of what would make us happy. So to write a happiness off as oh, it's too simple and simple-minded, that's just to not understand people. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. Everybody has different standards of what makes them happy, and everybody's relationships are different. Like you can't do a cookie cutter relationship. In literature, that's boring, and in real life, that's ridiculous. And there's
3: also a lot of encouragement lately, I think, to judge other people's happiness as whether or not it's okay with you. That whatever it is that makes someone else happy, you are entitled to have an opinion about it. In fact, Mm -hmm. unless it's physically hurting you, you're not entitled to have an opinion about what makes someone else happy. That's what makes them happy. More power to them. Mm Mm-hmm with with the books that you're reading it's all part of the same external judgment of what you're doing and whether or not that person can measure themselves against you and and place themselves above you which is really not a very stable way to evaluate yourself and really shouldn't do that (laughs) nothing good comes of doing that yeah
2: yeah um i wanted to delve a bit um into the various subgenres of romance because I recently had a discussion with my husband where he asked me a question and it kind of opened up a whole discussion that I now have thoughts about about a specific subgenre because I mean romance is this broad category but those of us who read it know like you know you have your historicals and contemporaries young adult paranormal Mm -hmm. romance
0: inspirational And then you can mix and match so you can get a paranormal steampunk historical erotica all in one book.
2: I love romance. <laughs> <laughs> and the question my husband asked me when he when I was talking to him about genres is, well, um, are there any romances set in high fantasy worlds? And I went, like, I don't know of any... Now I could think of there's a lot of um, high fantasy that has romantic subplots.
3: Can you give me some examples of high fantasy so I make sure I understand what so, it is that you're describing? So my he, understanding might be different.
2: Right. So I think he was specifically talking about what the big fantasy epics that we think of as the swords and sor- sorcery stuff. Mm-hmm. So from Wheel of Time, I think he would put Game of Thrones and you know The Song of Ice and Fire in that category. The the big Book, humongous book, epics. So basically, fantasy that's not in the modern world. That's not. That's not magic in the modern world. This is magic in kind of a medievalish world setting.
3: Well, part of the problem is that high fantasy itself is a mix of many many things it's part sometimes it's part military and part strategy sometimes it's part um, fantasy and sometimes it's got adventure and sometimes there's a very heavy paranormal element Mm because you know sometimes these magical creatures got magical powers and presto you got paranormal so high fantasy is already a mix of so many different things I don't think it's actually possible to say that there's a high fantasy romance because the romance wouldn't be the only thing going in the going on in the book otherwise it wouldn't be high fantasy Except that said, I'm sure there's high fantasy that it's at least 40% romance.
2: Well, it made me think of the distinction between um, paranormal and urban fantasy. That Where, is
3: a really good distinction, yeah.
2: Because when Shana was on the podcast and we talked a lot about kind of the blurring line between the two and a lot of um, urban fantasy the writers are encouraged to put strong romantic elements in the book. But it's still really an urban fantasy book with strong uh, with uh, romantic elements whereas when we say paranormal romance it's still a romance novel it just has trappings of um you know there's creatures <laughs> in these woods yeah So, to say. um and one example i was thinking of is oh i hope i get the author name right patricia biggs i'm thinking of the alpha and omega series versus her mercy mm-hmm. thompson
3: yeah mercy thompson is urban fantasy and alpha and omega is much more romance
2: is much more like paranormal romance and it's I would say that fantasy is one of those, which it's more like urban fantasy, as in you'll have the book and it's set in that world, and it can have very strong romantic plots, but the romance is not the defining category. Um, and I try to make this argument with him of, you know, romance is very—it's a character-driven genre, whereas... Uh, to me, fan- fantasy is about world building. And plot. Right. Mm-hmm.
3: You know what might qualify are the um, Jacqueline Carey books. Oh, yes. So, and then also, um, I'm trying to remember it. It's right on the... So with Jacqueline Carey, you have um, Naama's Blessing and... Oh, God, I can't yeah, remember them all, but they're all the back starts of a person. With,
0: yeah. It starts with Kashiel's Dart. Thank you. Kashiel's Dart oh, goes on through there. And yeah, and there's, I would, there's a bunch yeah. of those.
3: And yeah. then um, I don't think that this series is still going on. But the C.L. Wilson Lord of the Fading Lands series, the first one, Lord of the Fading Lands, I thought it was fantastic and I was so into it. But I also agreed with many of the reviewers who said that the heroine was an almighty Mary Sue. Like. God, there was nothing that girl couldn't do magically. But that was, I think, at the time, one of the bigger examples of high fantasy romance. It's, I think what makes it hard to identify them, and this is good for them, is that they're not obviously marketed as romance and they're not obviously sending out the romance signals. Like there's an astonishing lack of nipples on romance high fantasy. That's a good thing.
2: You know what's a sad way also to identify them? This- Aside from the lack of nipples. <laughs> yes. Or, if poor, it's a female woman. author, she'll be under a name that's like either in her initials. Yes,
3: yeah, she'll have a uh, a degendered Gen- name.
2: Yeah. And that's another thing that came up, and that still yeah. pisses me off. earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you
3: know, by the way, I, on, on a hunch, I did a search online for any, all of the authors whose initials are EL, and there are ass loads of them now.
1: <laughs> I'm like, if you okay,
3: really, do you think that you can confuse people that easily? Does that work? Because if it does, I just, I need to be alone.
2: I was about to say something very mean. I think you should. Yes. I was about to say that if the person loved <laughs> Hale James's work so much, they're seeking out more, you could probably confuse them. That's true.
3: There were there were a number of people who were fooled by Nora A. Roberts, and they (laughs) were pissed. Oh, Lois McMaster Bujold. In Uh, terms of high fantasy romance, Lois McMaster Bujold had two series that I think might work in terms of being high fantasy slash romance. The Sharing Knife series was very heavy on the romance, and the first one was it was amazing. The other one, the, the, is it Chilean or Chalian or Chalion? I suck at pronouncing things. That also could be high... It's really hard to identify something that's absolutely high fantasy romance. Because
0: mm-hmm.
3: there's no nipples. I mean, how am I supposed to know if there's no nipples? And If it's all women's backs, it could be urban fantasy. I need mm-hmm. nipples.
2: <laughs> Another one... <laughs>
3: Which is we more of a
2: back with an unlaced dress. This is more of a No um, nipples
3: on the back though. If anyone's taking a taking orders here, oh no back nipples, thank you.
2: No. No. <laughs> Just reminded me of an old Russian joke. <laughs> um, Russian mo- joke? Really? <laughs> sense sh- Shut up. But <laughs> it's not easy. like
0: Russians have a word for optimist.
1: <laughs>
2: oh god! Don't <Hello>. that- <laughs> <laughs> even get me started. All right. Oh, T V, what are do you
3: doing? Soviet Russia. Oh <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> <Russia, Russia, Russia. laughs> I was gonna say we're she leaves about- the
3: house to go on and come over and kill all of us.
2: Yes. Um then if She's we're you know talking, talking about fantasy dance. strong romantic elements, as a Canadian I would be amiss not to bring up Guy Gabriel K. Uh, yes.
3: Yes, yes,
2: yes. Both Tigana and Lions of Oliver Sun have very strong romantic uh, plot lines. And are very good and I highly recommend them. <laughs> um, this kind of segues because we wanted to talk about genres, not just um, in, in these terms, but this is that time of year, people thinking about gifts and maybe also gifts to themselves. Uh, so we definitely wanted to make sure our listeners came away with... Uh, so at the end of the show with some recommendations if they want to try maybe a specific type of romance what are some of our recommendations to delve into it but before we go into that i want to get you guys opinions on giving romance books as gifts to people because romance is such a personal and individual um type of book we read would you would you risk it do you think it's better like you really have to know the person on their reading reading habits before you do or do you think you should like you know you know the person you're giving the gift to is a reader and likes romance you you just research quality and then just go for it what do you guys think
3: i think that with giving romance the problem is that you are giving someone a, a book that is about intimacy and depending on your relationship with that person it could be really uncomfortable Because chances are there's going to be sex and chances are there's going to be emotional intimacy and not everyone wants to have that in their reading material, which is totally cool. I get a lot of finished copies of books from publishers. Sometimes I get four or five of the same book, which is sad. And. Whenever I go somewhere where I know there will be women, like yesterday I took my kids to the pediatricians and we all got our flu shots. I bring them a bag of books, but I I make sure that I include a mix of all genres so there's going to be something that appeals to somebody. The nice thing about all the romance subgenres is that no matter what it is... Sarah?
2: Sarah just turned into a robot. Same. You're doing so well. (laughs) We'll get through it. We'll get through it. We're almost there. (laughs) (laughs) Help! I'm falling
3: down a well. Sorry about that. What what was the last thing you heard me say?
2: Uh, The good thing about Uh, romance is so many genres. There's something everybody will love.
3: Right. So if you can get somebody to identify specifically what they like to read, chances are you can match a romance to it. But you have to be able to give somebody a book that is really about intimacy. It's there's not a lot of people that I know that read romance that I would give romances to. The other thing is for me, I buy books for my friends all the time that for the for an actual major gifting holiday, I kind of need to do something else.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Like if I see a book that's a dollar ninety nine and I know a friend of mine will like it, I'll buy it because it's two dollars. I'm not going to do the same thing for her for a holiday because that's something different. For me, books are something that I books are a form of commerce. Like they're a currency for me. I spend them all the time. <laughs> it's really hard to buy somebody a romance though because of the level of intimacy that's in the book. That can be that could be really uncomfortable for some recipients, I think.
2: That's a good point. But you can always buy a book for yourself. Damn <laughs> right. <laughs> You're right. So I think we should uh, throw out some uh, subgenre suggestions out there for those of our listeners who now want to start but maybe don't know where.
3: Yes, we can absolutely help with that. Yep.
2: Yeah. Um, let's go with contemporary. Contemporary well,
0: boards the shit out of me, so somebody else <laughs> is going to have to take this. Well,
2: something here's the, to- something about you by Julie
0: James.
3: I was just going to say, Julie James is an awesome recommendation for Contemporary. But the problem with Contemporary is that it is due for a what I would call a nomenclature split like Paranormal was. Because Paranormal got so big that you didn't know what someone was talking about when they said Paranormal. Did you mean urban fantasy, magic, werewolves, elves, vampires? Creatures, what what mm-hmm. what are you talking about? Contemporary is the same thing. If I if I say I like contemporary romance, and you say you like contemporary romance, I could be talking about Debbie Maycomer, and you could be talking about Sylvia Day, and those are not the same thing. So I think that one of the things that's going to happen in the next year, if I'm making predictions, is that contemporary romance will develop a bunch of different names for itself, much like new adult did, that will be reader driven. If you're talking about contemporary that's very smart and sexy and and contemporary in the sense that it is possibly happening right now and to people who are like you, then Julie James is an absolutely excellent recommendation. If you like sweeter contemporary, something that's a bit more like the romance equivalent of a cozy mystery, then you want to look at Robin Carr and um, Susan Mallory and – for a heavy dose of sweetness, Debbie Macomber. Debbie Macomber also falls into the uh, inspirational and slightly more religious contemporaries because there's often a, a Christian element to some of her stories. It's not overt; no one's hammering it on you, but that's part of her part of her writing. And then, if you want sexy contemporary with that mix of sweetness and small town, then you can look at Tony Blake and Jill Shalvis. But all of those authors are, are very different. It's really hard to describe contemporary romance right now.
2: I was gonna plug Jill Shalvis.
3: <laughs> I really like her Jill. writing. Even, even if I recognized a character as similar to a previous character, she's hilarious. She is genuinely funny.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, and Sarah Morgan. Sarah Morgan is also hilarious, genuinely funny. And like Julie James, you get the sense that this these are real people that could be alive right now, like next door.
2: Um Actually, I, I'd also want to let our listeners know that when you go to a publisher, you know, Harlequin being kind of the big name and yes, still trying to get a job with them, living in the same city. Um, they ha- the reason they have um, lines, you know, kind of like the Harlequin Presents is that they understand that as a romance reader, uh, often you have kind of a particularly emotional button you know something that this is the thing that gets you so they want to make it easy for their readers to identify books not just by author but just kind of by the kind of tropes that are assembled to make a unique book out of because let's face it all books are made out of tropes so go to the website and just look at the different lines and figure out what they are if you like if you like your hero to be the billionaire alpha male then harlequin presents this for you for example and i think there's absolutely nothing wrong with these with knowing what you like and knowing which publisher or which publishing imprint or line caters to your to your likes and dislikes um that said let's get uh let's get some recommendations on paranormal um we i've mentioned the alpha and omegas by patricia biggs i really like that series, so that would be my stamp of approval right there it's
3: really really good I mean it's hard not to reread it if you pick it up and go back into it. It's a really easy world to be in, but yet the world is very real and very believable. It's just so good.
2: <laughs> and for those listeners who are remembering Shannon, Shannon is an urban fantasy, not a romance author, but there there are there, there are relationship subplots to her books, so if you want it to be urban fantasy that's lighter on romance, definitely definitely give her books a chance. <laughs> uh I think the opinions that we're going to have the strongest between me and Raiden are historicals, specifically <laughs> Regencies. We consume, between the two of us, a lot of historical.
3: So if Ridiculous. there was a theory floating around that historical was dying, you do not support that theory.
2: That
0: theory is bullshit.
2: Any, <laughs> any woman who reads and loves Jane Austen is always going to go, I wonder what that's like with sex. <laughs>
0: Well granted you can go get Fanfics of Pride and Prejudice With sex
2: And zombies and sex and and zombies And vampires
0: You can also get all sorts Of other stories So of the authors who are writing Right now um, We talked about Courtney Milan a bit Courtney really doesn't do Regency she does um, Mm mid-Victorian But Jeez. And
3: they're also about the middle class. They're not about a whole lot of uh, upper class people. Dukes and earls.
0: Yes, I think and I've seen like
3: two noble people. That's it. Two. Well,
0: I mean, well, there was the, one in the Duchess wore. But I thought that was awesome. So yeah, the Duchess wore and unveiled. He's a yes, the Duke. Yes, He's a Duke. And, then yes it, and the rest
3: of them are his siblings.
0: His brothers. Mm-hmm. Um. God, I loved Unraveled so much, I can't even tell you. Um, one of the things I like about Courtney is that she is also a lawyer, so she sneaks a lot of law jokes <laughs> and law references in there.
3: Did you also does- know that she plots a lot of her books mathematically?
0: Of course she does.
3: <laughs> I think she has advanced she degrees in mathematics and science. I think.
0: Um, so... Her books are really good. Um, I'm completely madly in love with Teresa Romain, um, Season four, Scandal, which just came out a couple of months ago, isn't she terrific? Oh my god! <laughs> oh yeah. That when I read that, I was like going through some pretty ridiculous PMS, and I actually started crying while reading oh. her book. <laughs> because it was it was such a deep feeling of these two people trying to figure out how to relationship and they had no idea and they couldn't use their words and, and but
3: instead of being frustrated you had so much empathy for the two of them that it worked and it was normal
0: exactly Exactly. she, she is
3: so good at building em- empathy and, and sympathetic characters who you can see have flaws
2: mm-hmm.
3: but you still root for them because you understand how they feel
2: yeah and there's yeah, and,
0: and I'm not done yet. <laughs>
3: yeah, it, it's it's Romaine time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's Romaine time. Teresa Romaine, her her season trilogy is fantastic. I just read season four temptation, the first one, and it's really interesting to see how she's grown as an author. In season four temptation, it the resolution felt a little pat, and then compared to how. She had evolved as a writer for Season for Scandal. It was just like, well, it's great to see. I like seeing authors who who grow and learn. And that's just makes me very happy. And also, Sarah McLean. Mm-hmm. McLean? Whatever.
2: I, I say McLean, I'm not sure. Sorry, that's right. I'm just a computer. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Scottish, um, tell us.
0: <laughs> and she... Did um, nine rules to break when romancing a rake. I read that one. Yeah, <laughs> ten- <laughs> no, I'm just pointing out. I did
1: do my homework. I read that one. Yeah. <laughs> I love that
0: one. I love that one. And ten ways to be adored when landing a lord, which you know, was okay, and twelve scandals to start Eleven and the the um the yeah. the companion series to that, which is the rules of scoundrels. Um, I just finished the third one, and then immediately, just like she planned, have been rereading the first two, looking for clues for the enormous drama bomb she dropped in the last paragraph.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> I saw you tweet about that. I haven't read the third one yet. I've read the first. Oh I was my like, God. oh. Oh, my God.
0: I can't even. Read what it was,
2: wrong, really with what, what,
0: what well, was wrong with was the drama bomb? What nothing was wrong with it. It just made me go, wait, what? <laughs> Seriously? And now I'm rereading the other two books, looking at the, the, the clues that have been scattered, referencing that drama bomb that I had no idea that they were there. That is
3: exactly what she wanted. I exactly interviewed her for my podcast. Wanted, That's exactly yes. what she
0: wanted you to do. <laughs> yes. And now I have to wait until what, August?
3: Yep. No!
0: <laughs> no! no!
3: It might even be longer, because she's due to have a baby, like, any day.
0: Well, that's an acceptable reason. I'm
3: I find that if you've had a baby, that's your excuse for everything. Like, I didn't pay my taxes. I'm sorry. I just had a baby. Oh, girl, I understand. Let me just tell you.
2: Can, I, can, I, can, I, can I say name? Send,
0: send in a baby picture along with your request for an extension, and you'll be fine.
2: Right. <laughs> because Raiden didn't mention Julia Quinn who I think was actually my entry into Regency the Bridgerton series so mm-hmm. I'm always going to have a soft spot for Julia Quinn who is, is funny and prolific and great <laughs> um, and I I mean I think Eloisa James just has to be mentioned when talking about uh, historical romances and I really she's so different from the others she is. I often have a
3: really hard time getting into her books, though. I, so, there's a lot of things that she does differently from the romance, from the established romance expectations that are brilliant. And then there are some ways in which she does things differently where I just cannot connect with the characters or the story or what she's trying to do. It's really hit or miss with me. But there is no denying she is a very talented writer.
2: Mm-hmm. So that was a big info dump onto our listeners but actually i do know at least one person is listening so that's why i specifically wanted um to see if anybody has recommendations for erotica um as opposed to romance how Um,
3: much how much sexy times do you want in the erotica because i'm i'm really finicky about erotica because i don't like when people are like they have no actual reason to talk to each other and then all of a sudden become like two halves of the same bro. Mm. And (laughs) and he's like, I notice your boobs and your legs would look great around my waist. And he's, (laughs) wow, he's got a big bulge. Okay, people don't actually think like that consistently all of the time. And if they do, I don't want to read about
2: them. Well, I mean, I think the closest I've come to reading um, straight out erotica, I mean, aside from fanfic, is uh, (laughs) Maya Banks, whose books... Uh, who's a good writer? And you know, I've tried her historicals recently, like *The Highlanders*. I, I love you, my Banks, but no. <laughs> but her contemporary erotic romance is really good. But it kind of—if we don't have recommendations—I would like to at least have recommendations on how to search out good erotica. Maybe review sites or anything of that sort. I don't think there's a lot reviewed on Smart Bitches, but I i don't think i've noticed a lot on Dear author either erotica yeah no it, it's
3: hard to I, review it is very hard to review and it's it's not something that i easily gravitate towards i know that uh, melissa from snm book obsessions does read a lot of erotica as does uh, romance novel network jennifer i think the, the erotica that I've read recently or the erotic romance that I've read recently that I thought was really kind of incredible was by Delphine Dryden. The Theory of Attraction is free right now and it's not quite a, a full-length novel. It's a little bit larger than a novella. <laughs> larger. But the heroes are all um, – the heroes and heroines are all scientists and they are all – some of them are nerds and some of them are very shy. But they all have a connection to intense sexuality that's very unique and I thought they were really good. Mm-hmm. You would actually, Raiden, you would probably really like The Theory of Attraction. You should All try right. it. I it's just, free. I just
0: bought it. I just bought All right.
3: It. It's free. You don't I have to just buy it.
0: Like, just, Yay. Right. Well, okay. Oh, I it. just got it. <laughs> That's my, now.
3: my work here is done.
0: <laughs> Breaking news. Yeah. Well, you also sent me the dinosaur erotica. Yes. Still
1: kind of and you get at me for reading bad books. I feel like I should get Oh, God. No,
2: you know, the, th- the thing about the self publishing is that I sometimes go on Amazon and I got lost once oh God. in this deep, dark hole of stuffed toy plushie erotica. <laughs> like, guys, I-, I kid you not. Come to life plush toy gangbangs. It is a thing that has so many books in it.
1: Okay. I just naturally assume that everything is a kink on the internet to at least one person. <laughs> but the fact, the, the, the fact that they've gone to the effort of writing it all to be published on Amazon. You know, <laughs> good on you, you put the work in. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> Wait, plush, seriously, plush toys? Are we talking like, like cuddly toy teddy bear kind of thing? Did they come yeah. to life or they
2: turned into something? or? I, don't, I wasn't going to spend money on it. I just... Are you going to make me share this myself? It's like a serious, and they do come to life like multiples at the time, and the woman keeps on having sex with them. <sighs>
0: oh.
2: Yuck. Yuck. Right. That must
1: be really hard to clean up after.
2: I don't even wanna to know, to be honest. I just you know, nothing's gonna compare what's in my head anyway. <laughs> uh but you know what, if that's what's get you off, then it's a thing. And it exists.
1: <laughs> so I just searched for it on Amazon and the first title that comes up is Stuffed.
2: Yes, that's it, that was the series. <laughs> There's so mm-hmm. many of them. No.
1: Shut we would have been disappointed if she hadn't taken that part and gone with it, so good on That's you. That's true.
0: That's true. Oh, Kaylee, Sarah found a, a book for you. Yes.
3: Oh. <laughs> X <laughs> okay. marks the Scot.
1: <laughs>
0: wow. I just got a really cold chill through my headphones. <laughs> okay,
1: on top of <laughs> being Scottish, anyway, I did Celtic Studies at university, and one of the things I studied was the way that Scotland is represented by other nations in film and TV and literature and things like that, and we were forced to watch Brigadoon as part of this class, (laughs) so whenever I see some of the sort of, like, Highlander romances, all I can see is my extremely Glaswegian lecturer sitting us down and watching Brigadoon and getting progressively angrier as the evening went on. And then having this really long argument about why he wishes that everyone would just watch Spotting* instead, because he would rather Scotland be represented by heroin addicts than Vergadoon. Which gives you an idea <laughs> to how we look at ourselves. Yeah, I know. Having said that I'm very curious to read the Outlander series, because it has just been made in a TV series, and it's going to employ every Scottish actor ever, so I feel like I owe it to the, the tourism industry to check it out. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and it's very large book, so I'll get to it eventually. I would like to just... I
0: think they go pretty fast.
2: I think the podcast has to include this, the full description. So it's, this is going to be the kind of cover copy of Stuffed Taken by the Toys 6. (laughs) The book description is... Our heroine has a new job, the local baseball team's mascot. Well, co-mascot. It's not much. All she has to do is parade around in a skimpy costume. Her new boss promises the original mascot, the stallion, won't do anything lewd with her, despite the obvious implications of her next-to-nothing uniform. After all, he's just a guy in a suit. Except, of course, he isn't, and is instead a six-foot-tall anthropomorphic horse with unique ideas about what they mean by seventh-inning stretch. Tonight's is it game a is a... <laughs> is the horse? This game is a double header, and there will be three mascots in the field, and all of them will be in her. Uh,
1: Somehow that seems worse than the dinosaurs.
2: (laughs) I don't even know how many-
0: (laughs) I didn't think it could be, but yeah. I'm not going to read that.
2: (laughs) It's three dollars.
0: No, I'm not. Stop looking at me like that. The thing is, okay, it's up. not. Shut I don't it's, care. Way too much money.
2: I th- yeah. The w- reason it's way too much money is like even for the lulls is that it's only four thousand words. It's a short story.
1: Well, weren't all the dinosaur erotica yeah. like three dollars for seven it, pages yeah, or something like that?
0: Yeah, five thousand three bucks for. Yeah, so it was ridiculous.
1: How much money do you think that woman made over the course of like two weeks after BuzzFeed and that got their hands on it? I'm just saying. I was getting ideas about oh, paying off my student loans. That's all I'm saying. <laughs>
2: Yeah. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Back and then to somebody.
0: Somebody <laughs> sent us a what she called a parody of the like. It, you can't do a parody of this stuff. It just it's so ridiculous all on its own.
2: Yeah, I'm well, not sure how one would parody something that's that's absurd to begin with. I don't think it can be done.
3: Recently, mm-hmm. sent a parody new adult novel, and the, the, the excerpt that I was sent was so fantastic that I had to request it. And I very rarely request anything that I'm pitched; it's amazing.
1: I have heard of this one. I was um, a friend of mine sent the pitch to me as well, knowing my complete disdain for the genre.
2: What can we know the name?
3: I have to find it. I think oh, it is. It's, it's
2: got a really funny to- title.
3: Tossle me. I think it's Tossle. Tossle me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tossle. Oh, oh,
3: okay. Hang on, I'm looking it up. Tossle
1: Isn't tussling your hair,
3: isn't it? Yeah, tussling her hair. Tussle her. Tussle me. It is. Please don't tell me it's not on Amazon. Herbal Essences, tussle me softly. No, I am not looking for hair
0: care. Come
3: on. <laughs> God damn it. See if I in you know.
0: The book was sponsored by Herbal Essences.
3: That would be awesome. I wonder how far we are from corporate sponsoring. I just read a novella that had enormous numbers of um, product placement. And I was like, somebody should have been paid for all these. Tossle Me, A Cliché Too Far by Lucy V. Morgan. I will read you the cover copy. You ready? Yes. He's exquisitely hot, exquisitely tousled exquisitely yes. screwed in the head. Cammie Bell Hicks just wants to survive her first year of college. Of course she does. Desperate to forget her troubled past, she throws herself into her degree and book review blog. Of course she does. So what if her life is one long Tumblr page of grumpy cat gifs? She doesn't need to get out more and she doesn't need a man. <laughs> Hunter von Styles approaches life like he's spoiling for a fight with a tempting scowl a cage-fighting ex-rocker billionaire. It's unclear why Hunter's at college. Frankly, it makes no sense. Then Cammy falls into him literally at a party, and he's obsessed. He needs her more than a moist towelette at a barbecue. Though Cammy's friends warn her against Hunter, she can't resist his charms, especially not when he buys her shoes and Goodreads and a unicorn. But when her handsome best friend, medieval reenactor Archer Riddick, makes a play for her heart and challenges Hunter to a jousting match, it turns out that Hunter has demons of his own. Demons I that aren't this, real like, ones, but metaphorical ones, which are much worse when you think about it. Join <laughs> Hunter and Cammy on an emotionally exhausting journey into love and codependence and probably therapy.
1: It's actually perfect. It really is. Soul. Stupid Soul. names, the nonsensical ideas, the weird codependence relationship, the fact that they all have surnames as first names. Oh, she, I, I, I think I'm going to have to see if
2: I can request a copy. The fact, that, the fact that he bought her Goodreads with means- a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, none of the links onto... Oh, it is on Kobo. Because the links to Amazon were not working.
3: I'm sending you the ASIN right now. It's glorious. Yes, I have this. I'm going to be reading it soon.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah. See, that's like... The the dinosaur porn parody was basically just somewhat better written dinosaur porn. Is what it came out as. And it was just... Like, No. (sighs) No.
1: No. How descriptive was the dinosaur part? Sorry to drag this out of your brain again. It's just that biologically speaking, how do and uh, we don't know something that we really know a lot about in terms of, you know, joint goes in here and move forward and backwards. Like, how much is it descriptive of that?
0: It was It was all there. <laughs> it was all there. I'm still not clear how it fit. But it did. <laughs>
2: Romance never run, never isn't never having to run out of euphemisms
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> Pretty much Apparently Triceratops tongue is very dexterous
3: Well really if you're going to bring back extinct creatures and have sex with them shouldn't their tongues be dexterous?
2: <laughs> Why else? It, right. th- there has to be Jurassic Park XXX parody right? Hello? There must be <laughs> Why would you even doubt it? <laughs> Um, it's called
1: Jurassic Pork, I'll be really disappointed. <laughs> would be every, at my old pub quiz that I used to go to when I was at university, every week the final question would be, we're going to give you the names of three films and you have to tell us what the porn movie parodies were called of those films. So it was like, um, um, The Da Vinci Code was the Da Vinci Load, and Nightmare on Elm Street was Nightmare on Dyke Street, which I found really unimaginative. And you didn't get points for getting it right, you got points for just coming up with something really, really ridiculous. And my team was primarily made up of celibate conservative Christians, who all turned out to have really filthy minds when it came to coming up with porn movie parodies. <laughs> so, like, my very, very sort of frigid best male best friend would just come up with some of the filthiest titles, and I always found this to be both amusing, scary, and just hilarious. I miss that.
2: I really feel like the last 50 minutes of us are not convincing anybody to read romance. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get this back on track. And I think the best way to do that is to remind people that Sarah's website, Smart Bitches Trashy Books, has a lot of reviews and also always, always, always links you to the latest sales and discounts. Yep. And now's a really good time to just go and, and buy yourself something you can snuggle with with a hot chocolate on a cold winter's night. Yep. Plus
3: we have reviews from from Redan and that you should read them cuz they're awesome.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, yeah, so it sounds so modest.
2: <laughs> Sarah also runs um, a podcast with fellow blogger uh, Jane Litt, who's runs the Dear Author review website. Yep. And that's um, your bitches smart, smart authors right
3: yeah nope. dbsa because itunes threatened to take our, our podcast offline if i didn't change the word bitches in the title and i was like itunes you're ridiculous but i had to do it so it's dbsa romance fiction podcast which is about as boring and yawnful as you can get
2: but the podcast is not the podcast is great
3: oh thank you
2: <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate that no really it's lots of author interviews and you know kind of S- structures discussions that concentrate on books or genres. So if you if you love talking or listening about romance or just want some suggestions, and then uh, you always very thoughtfully link all the books you talked about in like the the Yo, post the blog post about, about it. a
0: second. Somebody's ringing my doorbell. <laughs> I mean that as in they're ringing my doorbell, not
2: you know ringing your bells.
0: No, they're not doing that. Hold on. <laughs>
2: I do like the the timeliness of this as I start talking about uh, blog posts with uh, podcast notes because Raiden's the one who has to do them. Of course. So I think she just made like this diplomatic exit because she's like, oh, you're going to make me link all the books, aren't you?
3: Let me ask you a question. (laughs) When we were talking about race earlier, did I sound like a giant racist asshole? No. Okay. Okay, I just want to make sure because it's really hard to articulate things sometimes without inadvertently revealing all of my wondrous privilege. I have a big bucket of it and I try to be aware of it.
1: It, it was but acknowledging that's... privilege. I don't think it was, yeah. you know. Okay, good.
3: Thank you. Because I don't want to sound like an asshole when I'm trying to describe ways in which I accidentally find myself being an asshole and I'm trying to correct my asshole-ness. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, have
1: to, I have to struggle with that all the time.
3: Okay, good Because I want to – I don't want to be an asshole. I just want to talk about ways in which we're assholes, myself included.
2: You know, romance novels were probably the first time I really started caring about kind of representation of myself in books in that I didn't think I cared. And then I read Helen C. DeMond's – one of the Hawaii ones.
3: Yeah. Uh, With the hero who is Japanese?
2: Yes. And my husband is Asian. And up until then, I didn't think I cared. Like it would matter to me.
3: But I loved Oscar- that book. I loved that book. I thought
0: it was Which amazing.
2: Book? Sorry, I'm back. It's- the Helen
3: K. Diamond, where the hero is a Japanese American and the heroine, like, the heroine is, like, way up front with all of her dumb prejudice. And he's
2: like, no, no, no. <sighs> it's Excellent. like here. It was, I scrolled right past this uh, They're impulsive. Yes, that's it. And up until I read that book, I didn't think I really cared about whether or not the heroes or heroines, like, in any, case it, in any way represented me or my husband. Yep. But I realized after I read it that it was kind of nice. Yep. Then I try to find more Asian heroes. and.
3: Mm, I love romance girls. because I love seeing other people becoming happy and I love the emotional experience and I love engaging empathetically when I know I'm not going to get hurt on purpose by someone who's trying to be cruel to me from an authorial perspective, like killing the dog or something. And so Just I love George seeing... Martin cuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I like I like seeing pieces of my own experience, but it's really easy for me to do that because I'm a white heterosexual female and also American. So I want everyone else to have that same experience because it's freaking awesome. And I don't know how to make that happen except by talking about it a lot. So hopefully I can talk about it in a way that doesn't make me sound like a giant raging douchebag. Because I try not to be. I like to say, I'm annoying. I'm not an asshole. I'm annoying. Different thing.
2: You're a lovely guest. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we were talking about your podcast and uh, Dear Author, Jane's website. Any oh, other review websites we'd like to leave our readers with?
3: Oh, gosh. There are so many really good ones. Um, you should definitely, if you're interested in erotic romance, you should check out S&M Book Obsessions. And... Mandy at Smexy Books also does fantastic reviews of more erotic content than I like. She's very, very into the genre in a way that I am not. Um, I don't know if Christy J has been updating lately, but she was – Ramblings on Romance I think was Christy J. She's wonderful and she's Canadian. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Do you remember, um, I can't remember the name of the website, but once I stumbled on this review site where it was specifically for self-published, and the, and the idea was that the blogger said uh, the, the author would send, it, send her the book, but she had the rule where the first 10 really objectionable things she finds about it. Is she stops reading and she'll blog about, well, this is how far I got before the 10, like, egregious signs of self-publishing and this this not being a quality. That is
3: brilliant. I've never heard of this, but I want to read all of it right now. Oh, my God. If I find...
2: Please share. If I find that website, I'll try to look for it. It'll definitely be in the podcast notes. Fabulous. It was, And it was specifically for self bob, and that was the idea that she was trying to, like, you know, people would send it to her and be like, I think I have a quality product, and she would say, this is how far I got before I notice, you know, my quota of signs that, no, I can't, like, this doesn't have the quality that I look for. So it was a really interesting approach. And I think we've left our readers with enough, you know, mental trauma of dinosaurs and plush toys, but also hopefully good advice about where to get books.
3: Yes, that's a good thing. <laughs> thank you for having me this has been a lot of fun
2: thank you thank you for being us so this has been episode 15 of angla uh do we have anything planned for next month raiden
0: i can't remember um we haven't planned it we need to talk about it once we release sarah back into the wild with a tag on her ear and radio collar
2: it's a surprise listeners (laughs) 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 at least until we tweet about it
0: (laughs) until we tweet about it
2: i hope everybody enjoyed the podcast Have a happy holiday.
0: Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You have been listening to Anglophies, a made-of-fail production.
3: Do I need to do a different accent for this podcast?
0: No. Okay. No.
2: I, i'm gonna say you're sufficiently distinct from raiden so we can afford to have two yankees on the show at once
3: okay because i can do southern i could do australian i can do midwestern we I'll need them. an australian on <laughs> the show all the colonies
2: will be represented
3: yep all your commonwealths <laughs> and your re- and your rebellions
2: <laughs> we are here subgenres yeah. and then we were gonna um <laughs> b- this being a season uh books specific romance books as gifts
0: Unfortunately, I haven't been home since last Christmas, so if we were recording this after Christmas, my Minnesota flavor would be a lot thicker than it is right now, because that's how it goes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, oh yeah. For I... cute. Oh for cute. Well,
3: I had a I had a friend from uh, Roseland, Minnesota. And we yeah. went to we went to the Minnesota State Fair. We saw all the butterheads. Yep. Yeah. It was amazing.
0: Yeah. yeah.
3: Did you oh, get cheese curds. Oh, you know, cheese curds and uh, and milk from the milk truck and cookies in yep. a bucket. Yep. And then and then yep. um, you know I'm I'm not from a farm. I'm from like mostly cities, so I was really curious about you know cows and milking, right? So <laughs> we went into the milk barn. But when you know when you bring your cows to the Minnesota State Fair you know, everybody, you know, who's related to, they come too. So they're all like living in the dairy barn. Right. (laughs) So I I had to drop that. I desperately wanted to ask questions about like what the hell was going on with all these dairy cows. And I see this (laughs) one woman like in an aisle up ahead of me. And I'm like, okay, she's by herself because I was really too intimidated to approach a group of 50 Minnesota farmers playing like really high stakes poker games in the dairy barn. Like I couldn't interrupt that. So I see one person, I go up to her, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming around the corner, I'm coming around the back end of an absolutely fucking enormous heifer. All of the cows are being milked in this aisle, so they are all like parked out, and I have to keep rounding heifer butt to get around. She is nursing and using a breast pump in the dairy barn in the milking aisle. And I could not talk to her because I came around the back end of a cow. And I'm like, oh, you're milking, too. I'll talk to you later. And she was straight up breast pumping. And every cow around her was breast pumping, too. And she said, well, you know, my my flow is better if I do it over here. And I was like, okay, that answers all my questions. Thank you. And I had to, like, leave. And my husband's following me. I'm like, no, don't go in there. Just just no. Just don't go near there. Just just stay with me. My flow is better if we do it over here. Like,
0: I bet. Yep. have to go. Yep. (sighs) That was great. So that reminds me, my mom got me a bucket of cookies from Mrs. Fields that are waiting for me in the freezer when I get home.
3: That's just beautiful. <laughs> my friend who invited me to the state fair, one of her friends was Princess K of the Milky Way the year that they were seniors. And they they give the girls the butterhead, like this 50-pound block of butter. They give it to the girl who is – because it's her head. Yep. And my friend told me that her family used it to butter their corn by repeatedly jamming the corn into her <laughs> ear until they could butter their corn by slipping it through her cranium back and forth. Yep. <sighs> Yeah, the Midwest is a magical place.